Father, we pray over the rest of the service, the rest of the songs that we sing, the prayers that we pray, and in, in particular as we come to your word, Father, we pray that this would be a time where we hear you speak. Well, we need your guidance. We need to hear from you. And so we ask that you would be here present with us wherever we are and speak to us clearly. Anything that would distract us, anything in our, in our homes, out the window, anything that could distract us, but even any emotions inside of us that may distract us, any anxieties or fears, Father, remove them from us so we can hear you speak clearly. We pray that you would open our ears to hear our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, hopefully you have your Bibles with you, and you can open them up to 1 Peter chapter 3. And uh, we're keep working our way through this book, and we're looking at the first seven verses this morning. Um, And I'll start reading from verse 1 from the NIV. Wives, in the same way be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great value in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. And you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Amen. Well, what's your purpose in life? Uh, That's a question that people have been pondering and discussing for thousands and thousands of of years. Why are we here on this earth? Why are human beings here? And, And whether people know it or not... Everyone is really searching for their purpose to some degree. We, we want our lives to have meaning. We want our lives to have purpose. And so we keep searching for it all the time. And as, a, as our nation in particular and other parts of the world, as they've continued to reject God more and more, it's been much more difficult for people to find purpose. And this sense, this feeling of meaninglessness continues to just creep up in people's lives. And the reason is you can't have purpose without design. It's, it's, it's an impossible thing. You cannot have purpose without design. Something that's just randomly thrown together, it's impossible for that to have any purpose. It could be useful, but it can't have a purpose. 
something, in order for something to have a purpose, it has to be created for a reason, with a task, or with a goal in mind. That's its purpose. And so as we increasingly walk away from God and continue to reject Him, we see, naturally, purposelessness and meaninglessness creeping up in people's lives. And we also see people trying to help our country and our nation with that. Because we, we need some kind of purpose. And so now I'm regularly hearing people all over the place telling us that what we need to do is we just need to create our own purpose. You need to create your own purpose in life. So maybe your purpose in life is to be just a good person. Or maybe you need to create a purpose in your life where you just are going to spread positivity and encouragement. Or, or maybe your purpose in life is to uh, get rich and powerful. But just take a moment to think about that. Can something that was created ever determine its own purpose? Can a pot say to the potter, I've decided that my purpose is to be a plate. Or can a bike say to its creator, I've decided that my purpose is to fly. It doesn't really work that way, right? The creator is the one that determines the purpose. And yet, over and over and over, we hear people saying, we need to create and come up with our own purpose. And we even find ourselves falling into this a little bit. But as Christians... As Christians, we know that God has created us. He's designed us and He's given us a purpose. And so if we want to know what our purpose is in the world, we need to look to God. Right? If a pot wants to know why it was created and what its purpose is, it should speak to the potter. And we should be looking to our God to, to determine what our purpose is and we need to be looking to God's Word in particular. And when we turn to Scripture to figure out what our purpose is in life, the answer is actually overwhelming, even though we can often miss it. Scripture repeatedly tells us that our purpose in the world is to glorify God. That's why we've been put on this earth. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Right? Whatever you're doing, do it in the name of Jesus, which means do it to glorify Him. Or a more popular verse, or more explicit, is in 1 Corinthians 10.31. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's your purpose. And it says whatever you do, it's a, it's a comprehensive statement. It doesn't matter what you're doing, when you're doing it, where you're doing it. You should be doing it to the glory of God. And all of your energy and all of your focus and all of your determination should be channeled so that everything you do is done for God's glory. Because that is our purpose in life. That's why we've been created to glorify God. The Westminster Catechism, which is a catechism that was written about a hundred years after the Heidelberg Catechism, starts with that question. Well, it actually starts with, what is the chief end of man? Which is just kind of an old-fashioned way of saying, what is the purpose of humanity? 
And it answers that. What is our purpose by saying our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever? That's our purpose in life. And, and once we understand that, it it's, has to change the way we do everything. It has to filter down into every aspect of our lives. That once we understand that we were created to glorify God, to make God look glorious and beautiful and great, now we're supposed to focus on doing that in every single thing we do. Whether we're working in a factory, whether we're shopping at the grocery store, or whether we're at home hanging out with our wife and kids. Which is why Peter talks about this in the previous chapter. So if you look at chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, Peter says this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and what? They'll see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. And so Peter's telling us our sinful nature does not naturally want to glorify God. Our sinful nature actually wants to make sure God doesn't receive glory, but we receive all of the glory. And Peter says if you follow your sinful nature, it's waging war against your soul and it's going to kill you. Because that's not how you've been created to live. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to glorify God. And so he says, reject your sinful nature and and turn and live a life that glorifies God and a life that glorifies God in such a way that the people around you, the people who don't even believe in God, will start to glorify God. Because that's our purpose in life. Our purpose is to live a life that glorifies God and then causes other people around us to also glorify God. And so he makes this statement in chapter 2, but what he does is he begins to work that out in a few more specifics. Here's how you glorify God and help other people glorify God. Here's some specific ways to do that. And so last week he said one way you glorify God and help other people to glorify God is by submitting to authorities. Even bad, unjust authorities, you submit to them and that brings glory to God. And helps other people glorify God. This week, he says, here's how you glorify God in your marriages. Here's how you glorify God and help other people glorify God by the way you treat your spouse. And that's why it's important. That's why I spent so much time building up to this. Because these seven verses in 1 Peter 3 are not disconnected from everything that happened in chapter 2. That's why Peter says twice in this. In the NIV it says, in the same way. It says in verse 1 and in verse 7. Other translations say, likewise, in verse 1 and verse 7. And when he says that, he's saying, just like I've been telling you in the past, or in all these other verses, in the same way, do this. And so he's he's showing the church still how to fulfill their purpose in the world. How to glorify God in our marriages. And if you wanted to take what Peter said in chapter 2, 11 and 12, and what he says in chapter 3, 1 through 7, and kind of combine them into one core principle, here's what Peter's getting at. 
It would say something like this. Wives, abstain from your sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Live with your husbands in such a way that non-believers around you will glorify God when they see your life. And husbands, abstain from your sinful desires that wage war against your soul. And live with your wives in such a way that the non-believers around you will glorify God when they see your life. That's really the core of everything Peter is saying in these first seven verses. It's about glorifying God in the way that we interact with our spouses. And as I thought about that this week, again, just like last week, I was reminded of how relevant Peter is. Right? Peter's writing to a group of people who've been struggling and suffering and in pain. And he says, you know what? What's necessary is for me to talk to husbands and wives and help them make sure that they're loving one another and glorifying God by how they're interacting with one another. And I think that's pretty relevant to right now. I mean, think of our, think of our current situation that we're in right now. We have lots of families who are kind of feeling cooped up in their home, right? They're starting to feel cabin fever. Fever. They're starting to feel cabin, cabin fever. They're feeling cooped up. They're feeling trapped. They're wanting to get out. And we've got moms and dads, numerous moms and dads, who are at home trying to get their work done, working from living rooms and bedrooms and probably bathrooms, wherever they can to try to get their work done. And then you've got kids trying to figure out how to do online schooling. Everybody's stress levels are kind of high. Everyone's trying to get things done. Everyone's kind of running into each other, annoying one another a little bit. And tensions are pretty high in many homes right now. And then just add to that fact that we're in the midst of this pandemic or a crisis of some sorts. And that's starting to wear on people. People are getting tired. And and as people get tired of being in these types of situations, what happens is our emotions start rising to the surface a little bit more. And we get just a little bit more moody. Where it takes just a little thing, a little stupid thing, and it sends us off either into despair or it sends us off this way and we blow up in anger over something ridiculous. And so our emotions are kind of walking this tightrope, always tipping back and forth, maybe falling off one side or the other. And so here's our situation. We've got this group of people all trying to get their tasks done, crammed in one space together, their emotions kind of all over the place, tensions are increasing, and Peter says, make sure you speak to husbands and wives in the midst of this, because... I'm pretty sure it's probably difficult for them to treat one another in a way that brings glory to God. Right? It's hard. It's not, it's not natural in these types of situations. We want to lash out or, or remove ourselves or do whatever. And Peter says, no, remind, be reminded of what it means to love one another in a way that brings glory to God. But not only is it hard, it's this great opportunity. This is what Peter keeps reminding us over and over, that in the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulty and struggle, it's hard 
to live out the Christian life. But the opportunity is that as the world is struggling all around us, Christians have this opportunity to live their lives for the glory of God and that light shines even brighter in the midst of difficulty and struggle. And so people can look to Christian marriages and see how they're functioning right now and that can glorify God even more and it could cause them to turn their hearts and glorify God as well. And so there's not only great struggle for us in our marriages right now, but great opportunity for us to show the world who God is and who Christ is and who he's called us to be. And so Peter dives in and he looks at wives and says, "Here, Okay, wives, here's how you can glorify God in your marriage and help other people glorify God. In verses 1 through 2, says, wives, in the same way, as the same way I was talking about authorities, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And that's not a popular thing to say right now. It's a very unpopular verse in our culture. And before I even dive into the part about wives submitting to your husbands, um, I'm gonna, I want to look at something else, but we'll get back there eventually. Uh, one of the things I want you to notice is why does Paul, Peter, why does Peter tell wives to submit to their husbands? So on the one hand, it's, to glorify God, right? So back in chapter 2 he says, you're going to do this to glorify God and to help other people glorify God, right? But in this passage he explicitly says, wives, submit to your husband so that when your husband sees your life, he would glorify God. And so Peter's talking to wives who are married to non-Christian men. And he's saying, you, even more so than any other, you are called to submit to your husband and, and, and glorify God by living this way so that your husband would turn and glorify God when he sees your life. That there's an evangelistic purpose behind it. That there's this sense deep down in each one of us when we see someone else living out their purpose in the world. Living the way God created us to live, glorifying God, it, it resonates because we've been created to live that way too. And so Paul says, wives, if you do that in your homes, it's going to resonate and it's going to click with your husband and you may win him to the Lord without ever having to even speak a word. That just your life is going to draw him to Jesus and cause him to glorify God. And he goes on to say, wives, make sure that, in verses 3 through 5, wives, make sure your beauty should not come from an outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. This is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. You know, people like to get caught up in all the details and the particulars of this passage, but the point that Peter is making is that the inner beauty of the heart 
is way more important than this outer beauty that most people tend to focus on. He's not saying that outer beauty is bad. Um, He's saying that that's not as important as this inner beauty of the heart. What, what Peter's actually doing is he's quoting a proverb in a little different way. Proverbs 11.22 says, Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. And so the scriptures always taught this, that not just women, men too, but, but anyone who focuses on an external beauty to the neglect of focusing on an internal beauty is like a whitewashed tomb. Or it's like trying to dress up a pig by putting a stupid little ring in its nose. It's not going to do anything. That the focus of godly Christian women, Peter's saying, should be, you should emphasize this internal beauty that brings glory to God. And he says that's a gentle and quiet spirit. And it's a spirit that has hope and trust in God. And so he says, sure, you go out in the world and you see people all over spending money like crazy to buy fancy dresses, fancy this, to try to dress themselves up to the hilt, but on the inside they are ugly. He says, that's not how we roll as a Christian. Don't fall into that trap. Focus on cultivating this inner beauty that's a gentle and quiet spirit that hopes in God. That's the kind of thing that's going to bring glory to God. And that's the kind of thing that's going to help other people bring glory to God, even even your husband. And so Paul ends this section by saying this in verses 5 through 6. These women of the past, they submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So this is why I wanted to end here, and I wanted to talk about submission here, because I think Peter helps give us a better and clearer understanding of what he means when he says, wives, submit to your husbands. Um, Because this has been just such an unpopular verse that for the past, I don't know, 40 years, people have been trying to explain it away, try to kind of get it out of the Bible, try to say that's just some cultural thing or whatever. Um, People don't want this to be in the Bible, and yet the reality is it's there, and it's there over and over and over again. That the way that a wife is to glorify God and to help other people glorify God is by submitting to her husband. And yet, the submission that Peter talks about and that the Bible talks about is very different from what some people want it to look like. When you get to the ESV, if you look at the ESV translation of these verses, it says, it says here's how the holy women of old who hoped in God, here's how they adorned themselves. They submitted to God, and then at the very end it says, and they did not fear anything. You get that tension? They submitted to their husbands, and they didn't fear anything. All right, that's a, I think that's a really important nuance, because it's not talking about wives walking around their homes kind of downcast, 
and fearful and beat down and defeated. It's not talking about submission that way. Actually, the Bible never talks about submission that way. That's not how we're supposed to submit to the governing authorities. That's not how wives are called to submit to their husbands. It means a fearless woman who loves her God more than anything and loves her husband deeply and then, and then submits to his leadership in the home. Not like a slave, but she does it willingly and not, not fearful of her husband, but joyfully. And so there's this dance that happens between a husband and a wife. And so Peter reminds us, if you're going to glorify God and if you're going to help those around you glorify God, he says, wives, focus on developing this inner beauty This inner beauty that involves a gentle and quiet and submissive and fearless attitude that hopes in God. But then Peter turns to husbands and he says, all right, husbands, I've got a word for you. Verse 7. Likewise, husbands, in the same way that I talk to wives, in the same way that I talk to everyone, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers are not hindered. So Peter says, husbands, here's what I want you to do. I want you to to live with your wives in an understanding and honorable way. That's how you glorify God, and that's how you help other people glorify God. And when he talks about understanding your wives, he doesn't mean like, live in an understanding way with your wives, which you should be doing. But, he, but he's talking more particularly saying, understand her. Uh, he, I, Peter probably realized the difficulty of doing that. But, but try to understand your wife. You know, try to learn her. Try to figure out what makes her angry, what makes her happy, what gives her joy, what gives her pleasure. Really get to know who she is. And as you get to know those things, use that to care for her and to honor her, and to protect her. So, so when you find out things that just tick her off, stop doing it. If you find out things that give her joy and pleasure, do those more often. And it's your job, as the leader of the home, it's your job to love and serve your wife like a real leader. So make sure you know how to do that. But Peter also says, husbands, you need to honor your wife. And he gives us two reasons for doing that. The first reason he gives us that we need to honor our wives is that they are physically weaker than we are. Right? So it says that wives are the weaker vessel. And uh, some people get all wound up. But he's not saying they're they're emotionally weaker, intentionally, uh, intelligently weaker. He's not saying weaker in that sense. He's just saying generally men are stronger than women. Now, I do know some women that could kick my butt. But the, the point is, in a general way, when you look across the world, we all know this, that men are stronger than women. And, he's, and Peter's reminding men, God made you stronger than them for a reason. Not to domineer, not to dominate, but to honor them. To protect them. To provide for them. But they also says we need to honor our wives because they are fellow heirs with Christ. That they're brothers and sisters in Christ. That they have an equal value with us in Christ. And I, I always want to emphasize this because some people 
um, begin to talk about this. Wives submit to your husbands and husbands being leaders as if there's a different value placed upon husbands and wives. And the Bible always says husbands and wives have equal value in the Lord, in Christ. And, uh, and he looks at husbands and he's saying, you need to honor your wife because they have equal value in the Lord. And so the Bible never never says, wives, submit to your husband because you have less value than them, you're not as smart as they are. It never says any of that. It says, wives, submit to your husbands because this is the way that God has told you to glorify him in the world and to help other people glorify him. But then they always look at husbands and say, hey, bub, you're the leader in the home and you're to honor and understand your wife. You're not to be a domineering jerk telling your wife to go make you a sandwich. She's got equal value in God's sight. So you're to honor and you're to love her and you're to give yourself to your wife as Christ gave himself to the church. You're to lift your wife up so that the world can see your wife the way that Christ sees your wife. So you honor and glorify God by honoring and understanding your wife. And when you do that, people will begin to honor and glorify God as well. You know, when you kind of just boil this down and get down to the core Christian principle of marriage, um, and I'm just going to say it bluntly, the core Christian principle of marriage is get over yourself and love your wife or love your husband. Get over yourself and love your spouse. It's not about you. That's the core principle to a Christian marriage. Wives... God has put you on this earth to bring Him glory and honor and to help other people glorify and honor Him. And He said one of the ways you can do that is by developing this inner beauty that God has given you. This beauty of a gentle and quiet and submissive and fearless spirit that hopes in God. And when you live that way, you glorify God and you help other people around you glorify God. And husbands... God has put you on this earth to bring Him glory and honor and help other people glorify and honor Him. And He says one of the ways you can do that is by understanding and honoring and protecting your wife. And so it's, it's hard to do that right now, but it's more important than ever that, that as things are difficult, it's more important that we're reminded of these things because this is the way we've been created to live. And when we don't live this way, things fall apart in a hurry. And so, so, so we're called to, husbands, you're called to understand and honor your wives. Wives, you're called to submit and have a quiet and gentle and fearless spirit. And if you've been sitting here throughout the message realizing, boy, I've really failed on that over the past couple of months. Uh, the response is not to just fall into despair. The response is to turn and look to Christ, to repent, and to ask forgiveness. He will give you forgiveness. And not only will He give you forgiveness, He will, he will send you an extra measure of His Spirit to come alongside you and to, to lift you up and to empower you to walk and live in a way that brings Him glory. Wives, He will help you. Submit to your husbands and, and have a quiet and gentle spirit that hopes in God. Husbands, He will help you understand your wives and honor and protect them. And, and as we do that more and more, we, we bring more glory and honor to God 
And as people in the world begin to look in on our marriages, they begin to see something there that they've been created to do, and then they begin to look up and glorify God as well. And we get this great spiral where all the glory of all the earth is spiraling and building off of each other, going up to God and giving Him praise. And then we begin to fulfill our purpose in this world. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we just continue to give you thanks and praise for being our God and for giving us guidance. Father, we realize if we were left to ourselves to figure out how you've created us to live and work in this world and let our sinful nature go wild, we would go so far off the track. And we would mess everything up and yet you're there reminding us of how you've created us and how you've called us to live in this world. And so, Father, we pray that, that we would continue to look to you and be led by you as we live out our faith in this world. Pray that as we live with our spouses as husbands and wives that we would fulfill the role that you've given us in this world and that we would, that, that, that we would be able to do that in a way that brings you glory and that we'd be able to do that in a way that those around us would also turn to you and bring you glory. So, Father, we ask your forgiveness for the ways that we continually fall short in this, but we ask that you would send your Spirit and empower us once again to live and walk in the way that you've called us to do. Father, may you be glorified with every aspect of our life. And may you use our lives to cause other people to bring glory to you. And all God's people said, Amen.